Paul's letter to the Romans, the 8th chapter, 14th through the 17th verse, hear ye the word of the Lord. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I'm kind of partial to John, uh, the gospel according to John, that is, but I'm also partial to Romans. Because here you have a person that wrote it that uh, some scholars would argue this is his Ph.D. dissertation, dissertation, sorry, uh, is the culmination of his work. He realizes that everything is going on, and he realizes that he was wrong. Uh, he was one who persecuted the church, one who ran in the church and did evil things to people for believing in Jesus because he thought they had it wrong. But it turned out that they didn't have it wrong. He had it wrong. And on the road to Damascus, he was blinded and had an encounter with Jesus. And after said encounter with Jesus, just as what I really like about the Apostle Paul is just as hard as he went against the church or what would later become the church, just as hard as he went against it, he went that much more harder for it. Establishing churches writing letters to them to let them know what was going on and, and going through a whole lot of things because he loved this man named Jesus and he wanted everybody to get to know him. And so where we meet him in the text is, is he's picking up on something that, that is, has uh, been bothering or he's been talking about in the first seven chapters is talking about the law and understanding that the law is not where it was at. He's uh, picking up on the positive character of living not by the law, but by the spirit and stepping away from the law. And he tells us before we get to the passage in your hearing, he tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we are not what we've done. We've taken a point to sort of identify people by their professions and then subsequently not only identify them by their professions, but identify them by what they've done. But you are not what you have done. You are not your past. You are not whatever sin you've committed. You are not a sinner, but you have committed the sin. We ought not be hung up on those things. You might have told a lie, but you are not a liar. You are not what you've done. He goes on to talk about living in the flesh Versus living in the spirit and life and death is at the is at stake when we talk about living in the flesh versus living in the spirit. But he doesn't linger there long. He lets us know that we are adopted as God's children. Uh, we live in 
the Spirit. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? We're here on Pentecost talking about that rushing sound as we read during the call to worship, that rushing sound that gave them tongues of fire. Talking about what happened in Acts 2 when they were all on one accord. The day of Pentecost that happened sometime after Easter and their tongues of fire. Have you ever been touched by fire? When you are touched by fire, you move a whole lot faster than you would normally move. When you are touched by fire, you will say some things you don't normally say. When you are touched by fire, you won't look at the same things the way you did before. You get touched by fire on that stove, you begin to respect the flame. And just as you can respect the natural fire, you can come to respect the Holy Ghost fire. Uh, Sometimes we don't talk about the Holy Ghost or we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. It's often just this third, third wheel between God and Jesus that we kind of mention every now and then because we have to, but they don't want to be about it because it's scary. But we need that spirit. We need the spirit to lead us and guide us. Uh, David Faulkner wrote on the purpose of Pentecost, he said, leaving, because people were scared of the Holy Ghost and scared to talk about the Holy Ghost and scared to talk about those things, they didn't let, allow the, the Holy Ghost to be taught upon. And because it wasn't taught upon or it was met with silence or confusion and people would see acts of the Holy Spirit and act like that wasn't what really happened, he said, as a result, we either ignore or domesticate the Holy Spirit. When we domesticate the Holy Spirit, we reduce its work to a bland coating of the mundane. It's like cooking without spices or herbs. I don't know about you all, but I enjoy seasoning on my food. So we ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. We ought to be led by the comforter that was sent after Jesus ascended to lead us and guide us in the way that still small voice that will get louder as we feed ourselves with the word of God and we spend some time on prayer and meditation, that small voice will get a little louder. That small voice will talk to us a whole lot more and we can be led by the spirit. Not only does that being led by the spirit, but we are the sons and daughters of God. A believer. Uh, a new adoption. We are members of God's family. We have full legal standing. Uh, see, in every family, there is what you call an heir apparent. It may not necessarily be the eldest child or the brightest or the most successful, but there is something about the child that speaks to the parents and others that they are most likely to carry on whatever it was the uh, parents were doing. That's the heir apparent. And so when there is an heir apparent, that child is groomed and shaped to step into the shoes. You might have a family business, and the oldest child may not want to follow in the family business, but the middle child or the youngest child or someone else that comes along follows in that family business, so you groom them to take over, and you groom them to carry on the legacy, and they get the rights, the lights, and the benefits, and the privileges of being the heir. Not to say that there's anything wrong with the other children, but this is who's been identified to continue it on. 
to step into the shoes that are worn by previous generations. And then they get to, under, they get to decide what they get to do with the other, uh, with what, what is left behind. Because they're the most likely to, 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 to decide to do with it what the, ch- what the parents would have wanted. Um, my grandmother, Hargrave, which was my father's mother, God rest her soul, and my paternal grandfather, Hargrave, uh, my biological grandfather, if you will, John Cleveland Simpson, passed away before I was born. So the person I knew as my grandfather on that side of the family was because my grandmother remarried was Andrew Hargrave. When they passed away, there was a bit a little something, something left when they finally passed. When my, my, grand, my grandmother passed away way before my grandfather did. And when my grandfather passed away, there was a little something, something left. A little something, something. But you have to remember that my grandmother on my grandfather's, on, on my father's side had, oh man, I can't count, but it's double digit grandchildren. There's, there's, I have some brothers and sisters. We have my uncle Stephen, who was an overachiever. I have to count out uh, when I'm, when I'm, when all of my cousins that are under Uncle Stephen are 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 present. I have to count their names out before I can remember who they are. Okay, there's Tanisha. There's Ethel. There's Didi. There's Stephen. There's Sean. There's Sebastian. There's Shannon. There's Siobhan. Cheryl Lynn. Hey, what's going on? So this little something, something that was left had to be divided up. Now, by default, someone would have thought that that thing would have gone, the decision making would have gone to uh, the oldest child, which would have been my dad. It did not. It actually went to the youngest, the two youngest, the youngest, young, the youngest male, my Uncle Michael, and the youngest female, my Aunt Andrea. And they decided amongst what they were going to do, how they were going to divide up the, the little something, something. How they were going to divide up the inheritance. And so what they did is they, I got a letter in the mail while I was still in college and it said, all right, there's something left. So here's what we are going to do. If you are in college and you are this age or older, you get this much. If you are out of college and you are above that age, you get this much. If you are not old enough to be in college yet and you're below this age threshold that we have set, you get your money put into an account until you go to college. They divided it up evenly amongst all of the grandchildren because they were the heir apparents and they would have done what Grandma and Grandpa Hargrave most wanted to do. Nobody was left out. They just did what they had decided to do. And not only that, but amongst all of the children and grandchildren of the Hargrave family, it did not matter how you came in. Biologically, adopted, uh, part of a previous marriage, we all had the same standing amongst our grandparents. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on now. 
In the passage, Paul explains that, that, that being in this family gives you the strength to re- overcome the weaknesses that we all have. Uh, Paul writes that the spirit, we become the, uh, the, the adopted children of God. And that gave us status. See, contrary to popular belief, or contrary rather to contemporary understandings of family, during those times you were not considered family until the father accepted you. Mm. It didn't matter how you were born, how you came in, it did not matter. To bring a child into the family the father needed to ritualistically accept that child. And so it was usually done by a rite of circumcision after they were born. But there was something the father had to do before you were considered part of the family. So as long as the father accepted you, it mattered not who out on, who on the outside rejected you. As long as the father said, this is my child, there were no more questions that needed to be asked. As long as the father said, this one's mine, there was no one else that could challenge your status in the family. Mm. And so as long as our father says that we are his, there's nothing anybody else can do to challenge that authority. And ain't nobody else got a heaven or a hell to put you in. As long as the father accepts us. Yeah. We are accepted. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That what is good in the uh, perfect will of God. So as long as we transform our minds. To be accepted about what God thinks, it matters not what anybody else thinks. God loves us. We are the apple of his eye. We're worth more than a cattle on a thousand hills. We are the righteousness of God. He, le- he loves us and will never leave us nor forsake us. He loved us so much he sent his son to die for us. That's how much he loves us. So when he says yes, it doesn't matter who else says no. We are in the family, and we have access to the inheritance. And not only do we have access to the inheritance, we're allowed intimacy with the Father. Let the church say intimacy. Intimacy. That's a closeness. When you are intimate with something, you know it very well, inside and out. You're close to it. You have a relationship with it. We are allowed that kind of relationship with the Father. It's interesting, though, when I see that it talks about the spirit of bondage or slavery in the text. Uh, Some translations go out of their way to make sure when they talk about the spirit of bondage or the spirit of slavery, that that is a lowercase s. And then when they talk about the Holy Spirit that is guiding us, that is a capital S. Mm -hmm. Funny thing about that, though, is even though these different translations like the New King James and other ones, the, the New Revised Standard Version, they go out of their way to lowercase and capitalize it. In the Greek, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I don't say that to say that evil things should be given the same standing as the power of God. But I do say that that same power and desire that we get stuck in our bad habits with, we're able to incorporate some good habits into it. We're able to spend that time with the Father just as much as we want to spend that time doing other things. Just as much as we can't help but keep going back to that bad thing, we are endued with the same power to change those habits. There is intimacy to be close to the Father so you don't go back to what has enslaved you. Your brain sometimes goes on autopilot when you have habits. Uh, There was a study done in 2005 by MIT, and what it was was basically to study the researchers and the scientists monitored the activity of rats, and they put them in a maze, and they put chocolate at the end of the maze, and they played certain sound cues and musical cues as as the rats got closer to the chocolate. And then they monitored their brain activity while they did it. And one of the things that they noticed is that as they participated in this experiment at first, the brain got real active and paid attention to everything that was going on. And then eventually, once they realized that they know it's chocolate at the end of the maze, their brain got real excited at the beginning and then went on autopilot as they worked their way through the maze until they got to the end of the chocolate. their brain had formed a habit. And they could tell it had formed a habit because their body just started doing whatever it was, basically without thinking. So then they took the chocolate away from them. And so they discovered that their, their first, their brain went on autopilot until the chocolate went away. Then they realized Maybe we're going the wrong way. And so then they started paying attention to everything all the way through the maze. And then eventually when they realized there ain't no chocolate at the end of the maze, they stopped running in the maze altogether. But the funny thing about the study was that the moment they put the chocolate back at the end of the maze, their brain went right back to their old way of thinking. And immediately went on autopilot. And they said that with this study, that it, 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 it was they, they, the, your brain immediately went back into old thought patterns as you went over. If you didn't replace it with something else, the old thought patterns reminded it. Uh, one of the researchers, Ann Grable, said it is, is as somehow the brain retains the memory of habit, context. And this pattern can be triggered by the right cues to come back. Grable went on to say that the situation is familiar to anyone who's trying to lose weight or control a well-ingrained habit. Just the, slight, just the sight of a piece of chocolate cake can reset all of those good intentions. It only takes a little bit to get you off course. It only takes a little bit to make you want to go back to doing what you're on doing. And your brain goes on autopilot when you do it. That's why you end up at that house you ain't supposed to be at. That's why you end up in that place that you're not supposed to be at. That's why you end up purchasing those things you're not supposed to purchase because the slight thing you've allowed your body to go on autopilot. But we don't need some fancy study by MIT to know that's what's going on. Proverbs 26 and 11 tells us that it says, as a dog returns to its own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. 
Second Peter picked it up in 2 and 22 and said, but it happened according to them, the true proverb, a dog returns to his, volley, uh, his, vomit, his vomit, rather, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Paul took it up in one chapter before the reading. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, I do. If then... I do what I will not to do. I agree that the law is good, but now it is to no longer I know but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for this will is present within me. But how to perform what is good I do not find, for the good that I will to do I do not, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Basically, I want to do some things that are good for me, Mm -hmm. but I can't find myself doing them. And the things that I know I'm not supposed to do, I keep finding myself doing it over and over and over again. The habits are strong. The struggle is will, but if we replace the bad habits with some better ones, we can persevere. We just need to change what it is, is that piece of chocolate at the end. Let our bodies go on autopilot for some other things. There's only so much time in a day, and you can't really think about multiple things at the same time. So what you focus on, focus on the good. And this gives us access to the inheritance. A small parcel of land that was promised to Abraham and then promised to all the Israelites after being exiled, has grown from a small parcel of land to the entire world. We get an opportunity through this inheritance, through Jesus Christ, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, that we'll have access to the whole world. We'll be more than conquerors. We'll be the head and not the tail. We'll be above and never be beneath. We'll be the lender and not the borrower. We'll be blessed in the city in our comings and in our goings. Blessed in the field. Blessed in everything that we touch. We'll get to share in this inheritance. We'll get to share in God's power. We'll get to share by having access to his paternal lineage. And we'll get to share by having access to God's presence through the Holy Spirit. And won't anybody be able to take it away from us? Not a person, not some organization, not some pastor, not anybody. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress or persecution or famine or nakedness of peril or sword? Ah, but it is written for thy sake. We are killed all day long and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through God who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, nothing will be able to separate us from Christ, the love of God through Christ Jesus. Not my boss, not my friends, not some of my family members. Nothing will be able to separate me from God's spirit 
nothing, nothing at all. And we share in his suffering. What kind of suffering is that, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. The suffering of Jesus going to the cross for us on that Friday morning in Calvary. Getting strung up between two thieves and him dying and not any kind of metaphysical death or actual death. He became us. He became human. He knew no sin so he could take on sin of the world. But that's not where the story ends because he got up with all power in his hands. And that's still not where the story ends because he ascended into heaven. But guess what? He's coming back. And I want to be ready when he comes back. I want them to say, well done, good and faithful servant, as opposed to depart from me. I know you not. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.